0: Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Did you have the misfortune of checking out the latest marketing campaign for luxury retailer Balenciaga? It was, in a word, grotesque. Inexplicably, the campaign made use of images of child pornography, pedophilia, and satanism and yet hey where is the cancel culture mob when you really need them our seattle-based correspondent katie davis court will try to make sense of it all and there is a disturbing gender identification survey making the rounds in ontario schools right now it seems as though the ministry of education is less concerned with the academic standards of students which are plummeting by the way And far more interested if little Johnny or little Janie is queer or bisexual or transgendered or pansexual, what the hell, Tamara Ugolini will join me to examine this latest inappropriate affront to minors. And letters, we get your letters. We get your letters every minute of every day. And you had plenty to say about the Trucker Freedom Convoy 2.0. Relax, Liberals. We're talking toy trucks this time. Those are your rebels now. Let's round them up.
1: Ciaga, the multi million dollar luxury fashion brand is in deep trouble after their most recent campaign promoted child pornography and pedophilia. Disturbing images from their spring 2023 collection featured Sexualized children holding stuffed animals wearing BDSM inspired clothing Now while these images sparked outrage across social media Which led to Balenciaga pulling the campaign It opened up Pandora's box for how demonic this brand truly is So let's dig in Here are the images of the toddlers modeling with their bears in bondage And when you look at the product placement in this photo You will find a white rabbit which Satan has sacrificed during ritual and on the floor is caution tape that says Balenciaga. Looks pretty innocent, except it's spelt Baal and Siaga. Baal is a demon and Canaanite deity who is one of the seven princes of hell in Christian demonology who children were sacrificed to. Balenciaga apologized for the pro-pedophilic imagery, but it is hard to believe that this was just a mere oversight when the man behind the campaign is Balenciaga's creative director Demna Vasilia, who has an obsession with dark imagery and worked closely with former chief designer Lada Volkova, who many speculate he got his inspiration from after taking a quick look at her Instagram account, which features Satan, worship, child torture, and exploitation. Volkova also has a relationship with An accused pedophile. Here are some of the photos of children being tortured or in distress that you can see on her Instagram. And here are satanic photos that she posted, which includes one of her being in a church. She also seems to have an infatuation with teddy bears, which were a featured element in the campaign. While Balenciaga pulled the images with the toddlers, they ended up leaving their spring 2023 collaboration up with Adidas on Instagram. And when you look at the products in these photos, the scandal just keeps getting worse and worse. Here is a model sitting in a chair in an office. Looks rather innocent until you look at the items in the background, which features a book authored by Michael Boremans. Foremans is a Belgian artist that paints images of child torture. His book, Fire from the Sun, includes paintings of bloodied toddlers, and in some images, which are even too vile to be shown on Google, the toddlers appear to be castrated. In this photo, we have a Balenciaga bag, which looks like a bag just sitting on a messy desk. But the papers underneath the bag include a Supreme Court ruling on virtual child pornography. Despite Balenciaga issuing an apology and stating that they take full responsibility for their lack of oversight, they failed to actually take responsibility and place blame on the design production company North Six, stating that they are taking legal action against them as they were allegedly not briefed on the items being used in their own campaign. It's extremely hard to believe that Balenciaga had zero knowledge of the creativity behind one of the two biggest campaigns that they do each year. According to the Post Millennial, North Six said that they were made to take the fall. And a spokesman for set director Nicolas Dejardin said... Everyone from Balenciaga was on the shoot and was present at every shot and worked on the edit of every image post-production.
0: Wow, and I thought luxury brands were all about, you know, nice imagery rather than, say, the celebration of pedophilia or child pornography or Satanism. I mean, really, what the hell was Balenciaga thinking in the first place? And joining me now to weigh in on what is perhaps the most grotesque marketing campaign in the history of marketing campaigns. Well, it's Katie Davis Court in Seattle, Washington. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, Katie.
1: David, it's always an honor to be on. Oh,
0: you're so kind, thank (laughs) you so much. But you know, Katie, as you mentioned in your superb commentary, we currently live in a society where celebrities are the first to engage in cancel culture. So why, my friend, is it that they are not lining up to denounce this retail chain? I mean, many celebrities are also parents of young children, aren't they? So why are they not outraged by this grotesque and inappropriate marketing campaign?
1: Right, David, I think that is the question of the century. This marketing campaign put child pornography and pedophilia right before you right before your eyes and their main um, spokesmodel is none other than Kim Kardashian who has four children of her own. But people are saying that she is choosing money over morals. So you have to wonder how, um, how much money that these celebrities are getting paid by Balenciaga because Balenciaga didn't rise to the fame that they are now until a few years ago when their disgusting chief uh, stylist took over and turned it into a celebrity and model favorite. And so they are now owning these celebrities and models and the Satanism and child pornography is right before your eyes. So it is a shame how they are able to get away with this.
0: It it really is. And I think you're right. Uh, Money talks and you know what walks. But here's the thing, Katie behind every marketing campaign the ultimate goal is to move the merchandise and what i find baffling is how does any normal person look at that ad campaign look at that fashion show and go wow baby's covered in blood i think i want to go down to balenciaga and buy a 1400 pair of adidas sneakers I don't get it. I mean, where is the call to action to have a consumer react positively to that ad campaign, Katie?
1: I'm wondering the exact same thing, David. I don't know what's going on in society today. You know, they are openly, like you said, there were videos where models walked with bags full of blood-soaked baby clothes, carrying baby dolls, the child torture and Uh, Satanism is right before our eyes, and where are all these models denouncing this?
0: Yeah, I don't know. And also, uh, Katie, whatever happened to the idea of age appropriateness, I mean, we have all kinds of benchmarks uh, when it comes to those under the age of majority, I mean, whether it's buying lottery tickets, alcohol, tobacco, marijuana, you name it, you have to be at a certain age, and yet- Here we have children being involved in what is really a grotesque and I would say a borderline illegal uh, ad campaign. Child pornography, thank God, is still illegal uh, in our neck of the woods. So I'm wondering how did this even become an idea in the first place?
1: Oh, that is the question of this century. I personally do not see Balenciaga ever recovering from this. I think that their brand is tainted for good. And, you know, the average consumer can look at Balenciaga and denounce what they did. But their influencers that they have hired have yet to come out. And that just shows how entrapped they are in this grotesque um, Hollywood celebrity um. Paradise where they are ruled by money and you know one of the main it wasn't just this Balenciaga with the children it revealed that their campaign with Adidas also showcased pedophilia through documents. And so there was subtle, there was subtle imagery uh, show highlighting pedophilia. And one of their brand um, models that was featured in this Andita campaign is Bella Hadid, who is a one of the biggest supermodels in the United States right now. And she has yet to delete those images from her... Instagram account. So I think that she has signed a contract and has probably already taken the money where she can't delete the images. But when you look at her following list, she has deleted Balenciaga from her following list. So it seems like these celebrities and models who are getting paid by Balenciaga don't agree with what they are doing, but are but just won't speak out against it because they are so ruled by money. And But that also goes to show that not every uh, celebrity... Um, has spoken out against. Some are actually um, going to bat for Balenciaga, like <laughs> Julia Fox. Like Julia Fox, who we showed in our in our report, she was defending Balenciaga and said, well, this isn't a problem in Hollywood. This is a problem in every industry. While that is correct, there is just a higher level of this being a problem in Hollywood. So why can't Julia Fox just come out and say what Balenciaga, what Balenciaga did was disgusting and immoral? I think it's an easy thing to denounce. And instead, she defends it. So yes, there actually is a uh, problem in Hollywood. And Julia Fox showed us just that.
0: Oh, indeed, uh, Katie. And you touched upon something there. Uh, Is this indeed the beginning of the end uh, Mm -hmm. for this uh, chain, Katie? Uh, I know last weekend, uh, all across North America, there were demonstrations outside of uh, balenciaga stores uh lincoln and i here in the toronto area we went to a premium mall outlet where there's a balenciaga store i can tell you the the demonstration was very small but on the plus side as far as i'm concerned while we were there i think i might have seen one or two customers on a saturday in uh before christmas no less actually going in there uh, to look at the merchandise. I don't even think I actually saw anyone buying anything. So, you know, maybe is this a, a bridge too far for this chain that even if they don't have their celebrity uh, spokes models dropping them, as far as the general public is concerned, this is just too gross. And hey, let's face it, uh, Katie, there are tons of other chains to buy high-end luxury items, aren't there?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. And... Personally, me as a woman, I would have never even shopped at Balenciaga in the first place. I like cheaper fashion. You know, the more you can get for cheaper, the better, in my opinion. (laughs) I think, I think high luxury fashion is overrated in the first place. So who is their market, anyways? It's very wealthy rich people. And if rich people want to continue shopping there, I think that goes to show that they also don't have morals. So I think that this is something that the average consumer can actually win against in making change that. Uh, sh- having a campaign featuring child pornography and pel- pedophilia is not going to fly with the general public
0: yeah and one last thing uh, Katie um, I'm of the opinion that the general public is very forgiving if a company comes forward and makes a genuine apology we saw that in the early 80s with uh, Johnson and Johnson with the tainted Tylenol in the Chicago area I think it was um, eight people had died and it was a saboteur and Tylenol, Uh, apologized. They didn't duck the media. Uh, And in fact, were the innovators in uh, tamper-proof packaging. And uh, you look at Tylenol's market share in the early 80s versus today, people were calling it a dead brand back then. Well, guess what? They have a higher market share today than they did in the early 80s because people saw them as a genuine victim and they were doing everything they could to apologize. But in the case of Balenciaga, um, we saw that apology go out, but it was not genuine, was it, Katie? They were throwing their ad agency under the bus. They said, oh, holy mackerel, we didn't know all this was going on when the fact of the matter is the um, executives of this chain were overseeing this campaign from start to finish. So I don't think, you know, that is indeed a genuine mea culpa,
1: Oh, yeah, I agree with you, David. They had uh, the chance to wrong a right or right a wrong. And um, instead, they chose to blame the third-party company. And it is a shame that they did that because it is funny that they – only have two huge campaigns each year and say that they had no idea what was going on with one of the two huge <laughs> campaigns that they do each year the spring and the fall and they just said oh we had no idea what was going on in our new uh, spring and holiday campaign so that is a huge cop-out and the third-party company that they blamed uh, basically said, threw Balenciaga back under the bus and said they had full control from start to finish in even post-production. And the uh, whole campaign was basically styled off of Balenciaga's former style director, director Vol- um, Volkova, who, when you look at her Instagram account, has, um, it's featured Satanism, hmm. child pornography, child <laughs> torture, and the entire... Uh, campaign was centered around this woman's Instagram account. So they absolutely knew very well what they were doing.
0: Well, Katie, I wish I could say I'm going to boycott Balenciaga, but the fact of the matter is I looked at their website and when I referenced a $1,400 pair of Adidas sneakers, I'm not kidding. Uh, Basically uh, charging $1,400 for for essentially the same kind of shoes you could get elsewhere without the Balenciaga logo on it for maybe $150. The prices are so outrageous. I don't know who has the money to shop at these kinds of stores, especially in this day and age of inflation and rising interest rates. Last word goes to you, my friend.
1: I think that as a society, you know, people need to start fighting back against these companies because the people can win and we don't need celebrities and models to influence our um, opinions.
0: A hundred percent. Well, Katie, that was one of your best commentaries so far. You did a great job. And we'll watch with interest in the months and years ahead what happens uh, to this particular chain. I mean, I feel sorry for their employees if they go out of business and they lose their jobs. They're not responsible for this. But that is absolutely shameful. And that uh, crock of an apology, uh, that was despicable as well. You have a good weekend, my friend. Thanks, David. You as well. Thank you so much. And that was Katie Davis Court in Seattle, Washington. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this.
2: Now, if it weren't for Rebel News, would you know just how many taxpayer dollars were being funneled into schools to collect the gender identity and sexual preferences of our young children? I'm Tamara Ugolini here reporting an update on a story that I ran a few months ago on how young school-aged children were being asked to disclose their gender identity and sexual orientation by way of a data collection survey put out by various school boards all across Ontario. And I wanted to know just how much taxpayers were paying into this outrageous program. and So naturally, I filed an access to information request to find out, you can help to support our independent investigative journalism and check out all of our other exclusive reports at rebelinvestigates.com. So, before we get into these documents that I received back, I wanted to remind you what exactly this survey and census entailed. It was originally run as part of Census Week through various school boards the week of October 3rd to the 7th. Now that the Ontario Ministry of Education has mandated school boards collect and analyze voluntary demographic and perceptual student data. It applied to students from grades four to eight who were to complete the surveys with their parents slash guardians and high school students, so those in grades 9 to 12, were to complete the census online, at school. This particular census was an identity-based census which is supposed to enable student and system leaders to address barriers to student success in keeping with Ontario's Education Equity Action Plan it asks mundane questions like cultural background and language spoken at home before getting right into the nitty-gritty of gender ideology the gender identity of children as young as grade four which is age nine or ten roughly they can select all that apply and options ranged from female gender fluid gender non-conforming male non-binary questioning transgender female transgender male two-spirit etc If this wasn't weird enough, they want to know the sexual orientation of these students. Again, beginning in grade four, so roughly age nine to 10 year olds. Were they straight or heterosexual, lesbian, gay, bisexual, two-spirit, queer questioning, asexual, pansexual, or otherwise? And now I have the access to information document to show you just how much taxpayer money went into this census program. On page 58 of the document, an email sent on behalf of Patrick Case, who makes $208,294 a year working as the Assistant Deputy Minister in Education Equity Secretariat, detailed the 2021-2022 funding for student demographic data projects. Hello, it reads. I am writing to update you on the 2021-22 PPF funding for demographic data gathering. We are aware that many boards have collected or are in the process of collecting student demographic data and other boards have yet to engage in this work. As this work expands in boards across the province, the benefits of student demographic data to school boards' efforts to identify and dismantle systemic barriers are evident. As a foundation for board improvement and equity planning, all boards are expected to be in the process of collecting voluntary student demographic data by September 2022. To support this focus, 2021-2022. 2. PPF for Demographic Data Gathering will be for Student Demographic Data Collection and or Analysis Projects only. Given that boards are at different stages in the Student Demographic Data Process, the Ministry will be differentiating the level of funding available to boards as follows. 55,000 if your board has not previously received funding for a Student Demographic Data Project and 35,000 for other boards. On page 9, they note that the most common responses are listed first to minimize first response bias shown to skew responses in this data category when the responses are listed alphabetically. Yet, remember the layout of the Rainbow School Census? It showed female, then gender fluid, then gender non-conforming, and then finally male as the succession of the most common responses and then for sexual preference straight and heterosexual is still the most common apparently followed by lesbian then gay then bisexual is this an appropriate allocation of taxpayer dollars 55 000 to $35,000 per school board from the ministry of education to collect and solicit census data on the gender identity and sexual preferences of young school-aged children
0: you know folks several weeks ago it was reported that the latest data shows that only of Ontario grade three students met the provincial mathematics standard and that just 47% of grade six students met the threshold. So in the case of the grade sixers, that's a failing grade. But forget about reading, writing and arithmetic because Ontario's Ministry of Education, well, they seem more concerned about whether or not little Johnny or little Janie is bisexual or pansexual, or non-binary, or two-spirited, et cetera. What is going on in the classroom these days in which gender identity would seem to be paramount to the educrats? Indeed, maybe their obsession over gender explains why kids are graduating from schools these days who are unable to spell cat, even if you spotted them the C and the T. And joining me now is Tamara Ugolini to hopefully make sense of all this gender-bending nonsense. Hey, how you doing there, Tamara?
2: Just as confused as you are with the gender-bending nonsense, I don't think that you can expect anyone really to make sense of all of this. So, <laughs> it, it, um, School the joking... has
0: sure changed, hasn't it, since we went there. I mean, Tamara, there, there are so many angles here. But let's start with this. In the spring election this year in Ontario, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember the Doug Ford liberals. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, the Doug Ford progressive conservatives running on this issue. So what's going on here, Tamara? I mean, what is the Ministry of Education planning on doing with all of this gender data in the first place?
2: Yeah, well, that's a great question. Um, Of course. The response would be very loosey-goosey and skirt around the issue here. But uh, for anyone who doesn't know, there was a a gender census or an identity-based census sent out to Ontario school boards recently where they were to collect and solicit the gender identity and sexual orientation of children in grades as young as four. So that's roughly children age eight or nine, respectively. And you're right, David, I don't remember anywhere where the Doug Ford allegedly progressive conservatives ran on any sort of platform that included identity politics. However, I do note that back in 2018, Doug Ford ran on a platform where he pledged to remove the changes to the sex ed curriculum that was at the time developed under the Kathleen Wynne government by the former deputy Uh, education minister and convicted child pornographer, Benjamin Levin.
0: Oh, yes. So Mm.
2: how this has crept back into our education system under that same government is quite surprising.
0: You know, it's so sad to see what's happened to Doug Ford, Tamara. I mean, there's a good reason people refer to him as flip-flop Ford. You mentioned the sex ed reversal. I also remember when... I think it was the city of Victoria in BC was the first to take down their Sir John A. MacDonald statue. And Ford said, send him to Ontario. I'll put him on the north lawn of Queen's Park. And now if you go to the south lawn, our very own John A. MacDonald statue is in a coffin with his head in a garbage bag. So it doesn't uh, trigger the BLM and Antifa people. What a disgrace. But here's the thing. Regardless of whether, you know, the student is pansexual, bisexual, queer, questioning, you name it, Tamara. How is it any business of the Ministry of Education? I mean, what is going to be next? A survey asking the kids, "Hey, uh, kids, how did your parents vote in the last provincial and federal elections?"
2: You know, I think that might be the only question that is missing from this <laughs> survey because yeah. it collects and solicits the information of the families and the parents and the children and in some instances, even the siblings of these various surveys. So what I'm finding is that each individual school board had a slightly different survey that went out. And unless the parents were informed that this was happening, which is often just done via email, so many parents you know, miss the emails or they don't check them or for whatever reason, maybe it went to their junk folder, parents simply aren't being made aware that their children are being plopped in front of a computer to fill out these surveys that uh, have... have contain information and ask questions of these students that are potentially extremely inappropriate. And all of this is unbeknownst to the parents themselves. And there's one angle here where it's the gender identity politics and how do you identify? But then they were asking the children their sexual orientation and whether or not they were heterosexual or lesbian or gay, bisexual. And, you know, the list went on and on. But how and and in whose world does this make sense or is this an appropriate allocation of resources to ask of a nine-year-old child, even in instances where children as young as eight in grade four, grade four to eight to be asked in this information and these kind of uh, personal questions when I don't even think they, if, if there was a child, let's say in grade four, seven or eight or nine years old, who knows their sexual orientation, I would hope that the school would call children, the Children's Aid Society, Child Protective Services, and investigate how this child has explored their sexuality enough at that young age to determine what their preferences are.
0: You know, Tamara, that's an excellent point. I mean, as you mentioned in your commentary, this survey starts as young as the grade four class. That's around nine years old, give or take. And, you know, dial back the decades to when you were in grade four, I'm going to think about when I was in grade four. If you saw this survey in front of you, could you make heads or tails out of it as a grade four student?
2: Absolutely not. There was no, I was playing with Barbies in grade four. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe, you know, if the Barbies kiss, that's as far as we went. But this is absolutely atrocious that these young impressionable children are being placed in a situation where they have to independently decipher how they will respond to a survey about their gender preferences and sexual orientation. This is literally taken from a groomer's playbook. I mean, not to mention the fact that the survey asks various things again slightly different based on your own school board or the various school boards but what are the income brackets of your parents do they both work full-time how many siblings do you have in the home i'm reading responses now as my emails come in about this story that they were asking how many televisions do you have in your home do you have a tv in your room how many other bedrooms are in the home do you share a bedroom these are just really overreaching inappropriate questions for a school board or a school to be asking of these young Young children and again it begs the question that you've already asked who's collecting this data where does it end up and and does it stop with the school board does the Ontario Ministry collect it will it eventually end up in the hands of the federal government if there's ever a hack who is that information now at the disposal of it's all really concerning and the the scariest thing here is that parents are largely unaware and unless you're paying attention you will not know that this is happening in your child's classroom Just on a personal note, this did happen in my child's classroom and she was the only one in the class whose parents signed the refusal form not for her to partake in the survey. And all of the other students, despite this being an allegedly voluntary um, demographic gathering survey, all of the other students were forced by the teacher to fill out the survey.
0: And, you know, Tamara, at the end of the day, Really, who gives a tinker's damn about the sexual orientation or the gender identity of the pupils in the classroom? Which is to say, Tamara, I don't care if you're gay, lesbian, bisexual, straight. If you're in a math class, math is absolute. Two plus two equals four. Always has, always will. How is someone's sexuality or gender identity a factor in the learning process in the first place?
2: Yeah, great question. And and I wish I had the answers to this because it appears more and more that this is not accurate in Doug Ford's Ontario, right? Two plus two in Doug Ford and Stephen Lecce's Ontario could equal five. Because we're seeing more and more that the things that we thought made sense and the precursors that we had in places and institutions like our education system are being completely dismantled and play, replaced with this, these ideologies and this inclusive, tolerant, you know, jargon, and um, all it's doing is really making the students recognize that there are inherent differences instead of embracing everyone just for the, their, who they are based on their merits, not their identity politics or what they prefer sexually, which in my opinion, children in grades four to eight should not be being asked, especially at school without their parents' knowledge or consent.
0: Oh, a hundred percent, Tamara. You know, they say gender can be fluid. I guess uh, the new math is these days is uh, mathematics can be fluid if two plus two equals five. And uh, if you have a problem with that, then you're a homophobe or a transphobe, I guess, in this uh, crazy upside down world in which we live. Uh, Tell me, Tamara, last question. What do you think? Is the unspoken reason behind this survey? Because when you look at it logically, nothing adds up.
2: Yeah, well, I think that it has a huge. There's a huge component here with the, you know, the diversity and inclusion sect, as I've already kind of alluded to, and I'm just going to pull up the. Um, the report itself, because I want to make mention of the particular person who sent out the email when I filed the access to information request, I was able to garner the email that went out about this survey. Yeah. So the email as part of the access to information request that I filed when I found out that these surveys were going out um, a lot of the the survey was based on an email sent by Patrick Case, who's the Assistant Deputy Minister in Education Equity Secretariat. I mean, I didn't even know that such a pr- position existed. But this person's making 208000 dollars a year working this this bloated bureau- bureaucrat position. And, you know, these are the kinds of people that really are just turning a mountain into from a molehill. And... When we're facing record inflation and Ontarians are struggling to make ends meet and children have faced unprecedented school closures and lockdowns that have set them back years in their education and curriculum knowledge and know-how, is this really an appropriate allocation of funds that the government, the Ontario government, put anywhere from two and a half to $3.9 million into? This is fiscal irresponsibility and it's outrageous that these questions are being garnered and solicited of our young school age children.
0: And Tamara, that's an excellent point too. And it shows how far Doug Ford has fallen. We go back 12 years ago when his late great brother uh, was the mayor of Toronto. Doug was a councillor. They ran on the slogan, a brilliant slogan, respect for taxpayers. And the Doug Ford of that era, uh, this guy making the 208 thousand dollars a year he'd be the first to walk the the plank in terms of respect for taxpayers now i'm sure uh this educrat is in for a raise and a bonus in the weeks and months ahead oh my god what oh what happened to doug ford tamara last word goes to you my friend
2: Yeah, it keeps bringing me back to bizarro world. What a strange, (laughs) bizarro, upside-down world that we are living in. And I really just would like to urge parents and anyone who cares about the future of education and the future of our children to get involved, to, to stay up to speed on what is happening on the ground in your classrooms, in your school boards, and make the necessary phone calls to the trustee who's the only one that's elected Um, within the board itself, but the directors of education and the various other leveled positions in your school board and to really just get involved and keep your ear to the ground so you know what is happening in the classroom for those seven hours a day that your children are not in your care because that is a long time and these are young, impressionable children.
0: I totally agree, Tamara. Let's hope Mama Bear wakes up en masse and gets some change Uh, done here, because this is absolutely egregious and inappropriate. And thank you so much for that superb commentary, for bringing awareness to it. You have a great Mm -hmm. weekend, Tamara.
2: Thanks, David. You too. All
0: right. And that was Tamara Ugolini in Coburg, Ontario. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. David Menzies for Rebel News here in Mississauga, Ontario. And folks, I am in the office tower that houses the constituency office for the Right Honourable Omar Al-Ghabra. He is, of course, the Minister of Transport. And the reason why I'm here is that this particular building is the final destination for Freedom Convoy 2.0, the Mini Me Edition. Now, I know you're probably saying, What in the world is the manzoid talking about this time? Well, I want you to check out this TikTok video. It was posted last week by Bridget Belton, and it should explain all. On
2: what we go through But maybe if we take the time Time to understand each other
0: We can learn to make it right What do we do? We got to give a little love Have a little hope Andy is saying I never did like algebra at school Pointless Andy, it shows honk honk indeed. So here I am at uh, Omar's office. I just want to find out how many of these uh, toy trucks have come in thus far. Uh, secondly, I want to know what Omar and his staff plans to do with all those toy trucks. Hopefully they're not going to keep them like they do to our tax dollars. Hopefully they're going to bring those out to, I don't know, Christmas toy drives. And uh, in the spirit of Christmas time, I thought I would get into the giving mode myself. And that's why I have this uh, little baby, it's a um, a tanker truck, Um, golly, it says right on it, flammable liquid. I hope that doesn't trigger Omar or any of his staff members, I mean it's just a toy, it's not real. In any event, let's get in the elevator, go up to Omar's office and find out what's going on when it comes to Trucker Convoy 2.0, the Mini-Me edition. I'm David Menzies with Rebel News, and uh, I just thought I'd. Um, we're doing a story on this trucker convoy 2.0 with toy trucks that are being sent to Omar al gabras office. Okay. And um, do you know how many uh, trucks have arrived yet? Oh, I believe, no no, no comment. Sorry. No comment. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, okay. I'm in the spirit of Christmas. I'm dropping off my toy truck as part of the convoy. I swear we
2: can accept that.
0: You can't. Oh, what am I going to do with it? Because there's sorry, there's sorry. going to be a whole bunch of toy trucks coming. Sorry,
2: no, just I'm so sorry. For no, but
0: but the what I'm about so but what about my truck? The wrong
2: office. Sorry
0: about that. The, this is it isn't really flammable liquid. It just says sorry. that. No, nope, you're, you're not gonna you're not gonna. Sorry. Have you ever sorry, seen? Me? This is like the uh, the anti Santa Claus. <laughs> well, how do you like that? Uh, well. Um, there is a saying, uh, it's one thing to uh, look a gift horse in the mouth, it's quite another to kick its teeth in. What are they so afraid of? Do they think these are real trucks? I mean, they can't accept it? Unbelievable. Well, um, I have, I've got the hashtags written on the back, and um, I don't know what to do with it. My, uh, my sons are beyond the... Uh, truck playing uh, stage, the toy truck playing stage, that is. So we'll just leave it here for Mr. Gabra And um, hopefully one of these um, nice uh, Santa's elves will collect it and give it to a Christmas toy drive in the days and weeks ahead. For Rebel News, I'm David the Menzoid Menzies. Gee, there I was only trying to spread a little Christmas time joy, but the gaggle of Grinches at Omar Al-Gabra's office, well, they wanted nothing to do with my toy truck donation. Those are liberals for you, all right, turning ho-ho-ho into no-no-no, bah humbug. In any event, you had plenty to say about our visit to Minister Al-Gabra's office. Bruce Acheson writes... I'm glad this was done. Liberals need to be mocked. Oh, and there is so much to mock, isn't there, Bruce? Indeed, talk about a gift to last. And by the way, while there's only 16 days left until Christmas, you have plenty of time, folks, to send Omar a little toy truck. Gee, I wonder how big that convoy is right now. Sylvia Fletcher writes, David, you rock. Keep up the great work. Well, thanks so much, Sylvia. That was very nice. However, Omar's staff sure didn't think I rocked. But at least let's consider the silver lining here. First, they did not call the cops. And secondly, they did not contact Prime Minister Blackface McGroper to invoke the Emergencies Act again. Talk about the Christmas miracle. Muskoka Mike writes, The problem is David calls it Christmas that triggered them. He should have called it a signature present or a holiday present. Then they'd have accepted it. Golly, I never even thought about that, Muskoka Mike. But you see, old habits die hard. I can't help but call this time of year Christmas time because, you know, it's Christmas (laughs) time. The anti-pop rights could be perceived as a hate gift Oh, Antipop, please don't give the Omar Agalbra camp any ideas. I'm already swamped with assignments as it is. I really don't want to be hauled into some kangaroo court human rights tribunal right now, if you don't mind. And Sam Hill 613 writes, Grover is not a fan of freedom or trucks. Well, you know, I think you're right, Sam. But when it comes to Grover, or I mean... Omar, he should be a fan of freedom, especially given that he was born in Syria, hardly a bastion of freedom and human rights. And Omar has done well in Canada, wouldn't you say, becoming a member of parliament and a cabinet minister to boot. It was the freedom that is inherent to Canada that allowed Omar to achieve these goals. Yet now he is part of a government that is hell-bent on taking away our freedoms. How perverse is that? As well, Omar and everyone else in the world should be fans of trucks and truckers. Put it this way, truckers are the reason we are alive. That food you see in the supermarkets, the medicine you see in the pharmacies, the fuel that is available at the gas stations, how do you think it all got there? By truck, that's how. Gee, wouldn't it be a wonderful Christmas gift if the Trudeau Liberals stopped vilifying truckers. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. Have yourselves a fantastic weekend. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.